Well, good Monday morning. Welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Dustin Hobbs, Communications Director here at the California MBA. We've got a great guest today, and I'm excited to get into the conversation with her in just a minute. But first, let's thank our sponsors at Incelerate. So Incelerate, the leading mortgage customer experience platform featuring lead management, CRM, and engagement that helps lenders close more loans by increasing efficiency gains across sales, marketing, operations management, has uh, just last week announced the release of its new Data IE solution. So this innovative solution allows lenders to better serve their customers by quickly turning borrower data into actionable insights and intelligent engagement. Data IE delivers powerful data insights, leverages that data to enhance borrower engagement, and provides personalized outreach to enhance borrower relationships while delivering timely messaging throughout the borrower journey. Accelerate's dynamic Data IE solution enables loan officers to craft the right message at the right time with the right offer through the power of intelligent data and engagement. This delivers timelier and more personalized engagement, enhanced borrower retention, and higher conversions. So for more information or to catch a demo, make sure to visit Accelerate.com or you can call the number listed here in the description below. So before we jump into the conversation, I want to toss it over to Susan Malazzo, our CEO, for this week's update. Susan? Thanks, Dustin. Hi, this is Susan with the California MBA. And this week, I'd like to talk with you about our upcoming Legal Issues and Regulatory Compliance Conference that's happening virtually January 12th and 13th, right after the start of the new year. Uh, We've got a great lineup of speakers for this conference, including our um, commissioner, Manny Alvarez, who's commissioner of the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation, will be joining us. Uh, We're gonna be talking about a recap of our California legislative agenda, which uh, was very robust in 2020 and kind of what we foresee um, happening from a legislative perspective in in the new year in 2021. We're gonna be talking about the status of LIBOR, uh, California labor law, CCPA, uh, the new non-QM and um, fraud issues. We've got a great lineup of uh, of speakers um, on those topics and also Brian Brooks, uh, comptroller of the currency will be talking to us about the um, financial outlook for 2021. So um, action-packed a uh, couple of days on regulatory issues and um, legal issues, and we certainly hope that you can join us, especially if you are licensed in the state of California. This is the event that you can't really afford to miss. We're going to sweeten the pot a little bit, though, so if you are registered for this event by Friday, December 11th, you will be entered to win a $250 Amazon gift card. So great incentive for you to get that registration in before the holidays are upon us. I hope to see you in our virtual environment in January for our Legal Issues Conference. That's it for this week and back to you, Dustin. All right, thanks, Susan. All right, let's get into the conversation here. I'm excited to welcome in Margaret Chiavini. Margaret is the regional vice president or one of the regional vice presidents for uh, Correspondent Sales West, I believe, with uh, Caliber Home Loans. Welcome, Margaret. Thank you so much, Dustin. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, yeah. Margaret is actually on our board of directors as well, and uh, she is going to be the uh, co-chair of our upcoming Mortgage Innovators Conference coming up here in May of 2021. So a lot of things on Margaret's plate, to say the least. So let's uh, get into the conversation here. Let's start at the beginning. Why don't you start with your background? Tell us how you got started in the industry and what led you to uh, where you're at now with Caliber. Would love to. It's actually a really fun story, Dustin. Uh, It turns out that I have two older sisters who were in the mortgage business, 
And one of my sisters encouraged me in my late teens to uh, come and try out the mortgage business and to try it out being a loan officer. So I began my mortgage career as a retail loan officer. Um, that was a lot of fun. I learned a lot of things. And um, then at this particular time, it was really when wholesale lending was in its infancy. And so the company for whom I worked had both uh, retail originations and wholesale, just a few brokers that uh, they did business with. And this was in the Bay Area, the um, San Francisco Bay Area in Walnut Creek. And um, so my boss said, gosh, you know, um, it would be really good to have some type of a role that would be a liaison between the brokers and between the company. And um, so it was really the very beginning of what would later become a wholesale rep type role. And so I learned a lot uh, in that role. And then I had an opportunity to join a mortgage insurance company. One of the things that I love so much about my background is how diverse it is and how many aspects of the industry I've had the privilege to um, work in, to understand, and to get you know, the perspective of that part of our wonderful business. And um, anyway, then I, I really was intrigued in the, with the correspondent lending side. And so I took a job with a very small uh, bank out of Memphis, Tennessee, and they were trying to open up correspondent lending in the West. And so I created that territory, about seven states in the Western United States. And you know what happens when, when you're successful and when you're a top producer, other companies always want to hire you. So I was uh, courted and subsequently hired by uh, GMAC and uh, worked at GMAC for 10 years. And then I had an incredible opportunity to actually be part of the correspondent lending, brand new to start the correspondent lending division of Caliber. I had um, done a lot of opening up of territories or uh, creating territories, but it was always with companies that were already established. And so this was a truly unique opportunity uh, to actually be part of the founding members of the correspondent channel for Caliber. And this was in 2013. So we started with nothing. We had no customers uh, and um, we built our channel and I started out actually as a salesperson covering Northern California and the Pacific Northwest and very quickly grew that and, um, you know, was very significant in terms of the, the volume for the channel. And so the executives asked me if I would please lead half of the country in terms of the correspondent sales. And, um, of course, it was a wonderful challenge and uh, that it's actually been six years. And so that is my current role today. I will tell you, Dustin, it's quite a transition to go from being a individual contributor to managing a team. You know, there's uh, your sphere of influence is very, very different. And um, at first it was very challenging. And uh, now I, I just love it. I love leading a team. I'm so proud of Caliber. I'm so proud of our correspondent lending channel and what we've accomplished. We basically started out you know, with nothing and we're, you know, one of the top 10 correspondent channels 
you know, in the industry. So that's pretty much, you know, the mortgage life of Margaret Chiavini. <laughs> As from start to finish, yeah. So what I'm I'm really curious. You're uh, you mentioned there, you know, making the transition from being sort of that uh, lone wolf role to you know leading a team now. What was the biggest challenge you faced there? Well, I think you know when you're an individual contributor, you know exactly what to do to make something happen. You know, you know if you're an individual contributor, you. Yeah, and you need more volume, you call your customers, you go visit your customers. And I knew how to do that, you know, no problem. And when you're leading a team, what your, your um, emphasis changes slightly. You're, you're sort of one step removed from that. The role is really how do you nurture, take care of, and help your sales team so that they can affect that change. And that was really, that was kind of the the transition. Yeah. yeah. Do you, and so do you find that more? Do you find it more enjoyable now than sort of being on your own and sort of a, you know, uh, you know, relying on your own talents and your own skills? And now you're having to, like you said, rely on, uh, you know, what you've uh, cared for, nurtured with your team. You know, I have to say, I I've I enjoyed the individual contributor role tremendously. I think. Um, you know, sales, I feel like it's always been in my blood and I love this role as well. They're very different, uh, but I, I I, wouldn't say I like one necessarily more than the other. I think it was just for my career, this was the natural next step in order to be able to make a significant contribution to our company. Sure, sure. So speaking of challenges, I mean, obviously this year has been, to say the least, a, uh, a challenge is kind of the nicest way you can put it. Um, for sure. The, you know, the <laughs> pandemic and all those challenges that went along with it. And then obviously the, you know, humongous refi boom that we've been, you know, in the midst of here. So what was, what's been the biggest challenge for you this year? I would say probably the biggest challenge is that we haven't been able to see our customers. Hmm. You know, everything's been virtual and um, on the sales side, that's, it, it, it's been weird. It's been weird. We we do of course these, you know, Zoom calls, virtual things and that's wonderful and I everybody has been so creative in terms of how they've adapted to that. There's just nothing, you know, that replaces actually being able to see your customers face to face. And we're we're blessed. I mean, we have fabulous customers. And so we've missed that. I've missed that. I do I do a lot of traveling in my role and uh, visit our customers, of course, at the conferences. We always visit our customers. And so I would say that's been probably the, um, the hardest part and the biggest challenge. Now, you know me, Dustin, and I tend to see everything, the glass is half full. And so I will, I will contrast those comments with saying that for me personally, because there hasn't been a lot of travel, it's been a wonderful year. Uh, being able to be, you know, at home and with my husband and be able to have longer stretches with my, um, you know, with my kids. So that's been the, that's the positive part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I can echo that for sure. Um, so do you think that there is a, I mean, are there specific challenges that you would say that uh, maybe correspondent lenders have had this year that uh, maybe other lenders have not had to deal with as much? Uh, definitely. Um, so, you know, when you think about what were really the the challenges or pain points for the correspondent, um, from my point of view, there's about four of them that were pretty significant. 
The first one is that if they retained servicing, they really had to adjust to what was a reality, which was the forbearances and the delinquencies. Hmm. And um, that that was that was a big deal if you retained servicing they had to hire people that could help educate the consumers the borrowers what is a forbearance what are the details so i would say that's that's one thing that was very difficult for the correspondence um and you know it was hard to add staff because everything's so competitive um i would also say that if they hedged they had to be concerned with margin calls and liquidity concerns. We all remember what happened in March. And, you know, things like that, they're very, very serious. They can take companies down. So I would say that's a, a pain point. I would say the other one is um, that they had to hire people. I mean, this is all in the midst of this huge refi boom, and it's very competitive. You know, they would lose well, people. Yeah, LinkedIn, yeah, the, yeah, you know, bonus offers that people were being offered. It was pretty amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I will say is that for the companies that um, invested in technology, Dustin, they actually had a competitive advantage. And, you know, because in essence, you want to be as efficient as possible. And so to the degree that you have technology that supports that, you can um, flex up and flex down more effectively. And so I think contrasting the pain points that they had, others maybe experienced a little bit less pain because they had invested in technology and innovation prior to 2020. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's interesting, just this last year talking to uh, you know a variety of lenders, and you actually you get that sort of sense of you know where are you you almost can see it in their eyes that when you ask them say you know what was this year like and you assume that it's well it's just you know so hard to get everyone to go work from home and and, and you know the technology side of that and then you look at their right and they're just yeah it was all right we already we were more or less set up for it we had a plan we had the technology in place so it wasn't that big of a deal so I I think you're right about yeah. making plans and it was definitely less of a challenge I think for those who are prepared. Totally. You know, and that's that's sort of another thing, you know, you mentioned to the audience that I'm co-chairing the uh, Mortgage Innovators Conference. This is a this is a very important conference because, you know, and I'm sure we'll as we continue our conversation, we'll get in more more in depth. But the bottom line is this is a conference that showcases technology and innovation. And if if there was ever a year where we could see the practical benefits of understanding the technology, researching it, and then implementing it, this was this year. Yeah, no, I agree. Forget an, an eight-minute demo. You had an entire year to <laughs> right. watch everyone else <laughs> demo it in real life. Exactly, um, exactly. So looking ahead, um, what does the uh, sort of maybe the near-term future look like for uh, Correspondent? You know, from my point of view, when I look at it fundamentally, I think um, we all know that eventually the volumes are going to drop and margins will compress. And um, if the Fed changes their position, that could dramatically influence those two uh, factors. So right now, we all know the Fed is, in essence, creating the market for the mortgages with them buying you know uh, so much of the mbs and depending upon if they decide to change that 
and or how it's changed, the volume could drop very quickly um, or it could go slowly. And so I think that as I put myself in the shoes of the executives or the owners or the leaders of the you know, mortgage origination companies, I have to factor that in. You know, how do you deal with capacity? And then what's the plan? And, you know, again, technology, not only does it help you flex up, but it also can help you flex down. And it, um, you know, it can just make those transitions much, much easier. And so I, I think, you know, it's just the technology continues to be a very, very important part. And I think that that's, it's all around really capacity and volume and what that's going to look like in 2021. I totally agree. Well, and, you know, let's let's jump into technology here. So what, you know, I'm curious, just, you know, what intrigues you about the tech side of the business? How did you get, because uh, you don't often see, you know, every lender, you know, rep or even and correspondent, especially, you don't see, the, you know, everyone as excited about technology as you do. So what, you know, what do you get most excited about from the tech side of the business uh, looking forward in the future? Uh, you know, for me, I always approach everything. How do I create a competitive advantage? That's sort of the baseline. And when I look at our business, I look at um, really efficiency. And so um, how can we create um, efficiencies? And I think the biggest thing that I'm excited about really is the um, what's happening with the data. Um, we've heard that, you know, the, the sayings now Big that- data. Big data, right. And that the most important asset class for the 21st century is data, right? I mean, we're, it's everywhere. It's the, exactly, exactly. And so I'm the most excited about um, how the technology can actually help us capture the data and then to capture the data and then to streamline the data so we can produce those efficiencies. I really believe that those companies that are more efficient will have an advantage. They can take advantage of a market like 2020. They can also take advantage when the margins start to compress. And when the margins start to compress, that's usually an indication that the volume's slowing down and you really have to compete more rigorously for that volume. Right. No, I, I think you're right, especially about data. I, I think that uh, just, you know, even from my perspective, sitting in on uh, a lot of um, of our mortgage technology and uh, marketing calls over the and webinars over the past couple of years, we, I mean, I think we're, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, how do we turn that, uh, you know, the big data into actionable intelligence. And I think now we're actually between like 2020 and now 2021, I think we're right in the midst of that actually happening and that data becoming, you know, far more useful than just, you know, a big mountain of data that we can't really, you know, do much with other than, you know, drop our jaw. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's the key is understanding if we think about it, you know, the mortgage business, it's it really is all data. And so how do we capture that? And then how do we streamline it? Yeah. Exactly. So what do you see, you know, maybe looking back the past couple of years, where do you see the industry has made the most progress on uh, technology adoption and implementation? You know, I, I kind of have to go back to um, the data piece. I actually think, you know, I'm, I'm totally dating myself, but, um, you know, when I started in the mortgage business, we used 
typewriters, you know. <laughs> and and now think about how efficient it is with um, you know the, the all the borrowers you know they can access their accounts they can access their status on their smartphones and um, I think that that's where the biggest progress has been made not that we're close to where we need to be but I think that that has um, been a tremendous area of progress and of growth and we need to continue because the data will drive sales strategies and um, it allows data allows you to actually be able to go into new um, you know geographical areas the data allows you to be able to streamline the process and you know to the degree that the data is um, captured electronically there's less and less chance for errors. Yeah, well, and I think also one of the things that uh, I think makes a difference too is as these companies, you know, scale up as they become more, not just a, you know, small regional lender, but they become a multi-state lender and, you know, go national, having that data, you know, avail having the availability of that data in a useful format, I think to your point, allows you to scale up so much easier and you know not to have to struggle so much with the amount of data then you'd have to be dealing with. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, and the ones that are efficient will have an advantage. There's just no no question about it. Yeah, I agree. So no more typing on a typewriter, right? Is that, that that's right. your message? <laughs> exactly. All right, so uh, we've got a couple of minutes left here. Let's, uh, I'm curious, as an investor, what is the what are the biggest pain points for you right now and your uh, correspondent uh, customers? Uh, you know when I when I think about that, Dustin, I think about I always try to look at it from my customer's perspective, and you know what kind of keeps them up at night. What do they need to be concerned about as they navigate and constitute uh, the direction of their company, and. Um, I think probably some of the biggest challenges and pain points are going to be the margin compression. We're already starting to see a little bit of it, and that's a good indication that um, we're getting ready for a downturn. I think, again, we've been talking about it, but technology is the key because it allows companies to be able to um, have the least amount of impact on um, headcount. You know, they can have the, the machines working for them and then don't have to necessarily have all the pressure for the hiring and for the laying off. Mm -hmm. So I think it's margin compression um, and what that will mean in terms of competing for their business. And then the other thing that is really big is really capacity. That is what they're, that is something that's very delicate. You know, how do you manage capacity and balance expenses you know we all know how to throw just throw money at it right but unfortunately that doesn't work so i think that's going to be a very big uh pain point when i think of the executives you know of our customers i look at fundamentally they really have to measure uh three things and we kind of call them the three c's so the first one is capacity they have to be able to balance that. How do I get the job done and how do I manage expenses? And then the second thing is um, cycle time. Uh, 
how do I make sure that the cycle time is uh, appropriate for the service levels I'm trying to produce? And that's external customers, internal customers. So the cycle time, you know, all of the service levels and, you know, that kind of thing nests underneath that second C, if you will. And then uh, the last one is cost per loan. That that is um, that is really important. So capacity, um, cycle times, and then cost per loan. And I think those are the I don't want to say pain points, but those are the that is absolutely the basis of the focus. I, I think in terms of looking ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. Yeah, that's enough to keep you up in that right there. Just those three. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, for the final question here, let's uh, switch gears just for a bit. Um, sure. We mentioned the uh, uh, margin call issue back in March. That was a, a certainly, to say the least, a big deal for uh, lenders. But it was also on the advocacy side a very, very big issue for the California MBA and, and our uh, partners, the uh, uh, National MBA in DC, trying to you know make sure that that didn't, as you put it, you know take out companies and destroy the industry overnight because we were kind of all you know crossing our fingers at one point, making sure that hoping that didn't happen. Right. Um, so if you're speaking to a colleague maybe that doesn't understand the importance of advocacy and, and maybe isn't a member of the California MBA or the MBA, what's your message to them right now? Well, I think the first thing is to really help people understand what does advocacy mean. And when I think about it in a fundamental you know, way, it's basically a group that has your best interests at heart and are really fighting for them. And so going the other way, if you don't have an advocate, that means that your concerns, your best interests are really threatened. And um, 2020, if, if people didn't understand how important and how powerful advocacy was prior to March 1st of 2020, they certainly did with the events that happened on a national level and even some in, in the state of California. And you mentioned March, um, the, you know, what happened with the Fed buying the MBS produced huge margin calls. And um, we really were in a pretty serious liquidity crisis. And what happened? The California MBA um, and the national MBA, that, what did they do? They took our concerns to heart and they went and they lobbied to make sure that our regulators and that the mechanisms within um, you know, the, the mortgage uh, operation, that they understood the effects of that and they stopped what could have been a very, very serious thing. We could have, we could have actually lost a lot of companies. Yeah, yeah, no, it seemed that. that was the biggest. That was the biggest uh, threat to the industry since at least 2008. I mean, that was yeah. As far and it was more compressed time-wise. I think you're right about that. I mean, 2007, 2008, that was kind of just a long-term, you know, explosion. This was more of a compressed you know, really acute issue and crisis that threatened us all. So, and Dustin, that. yeah, you bet. And the other one too, I remember when, you know, the forbearances, um, when all of the servicers were going to have to advance payments and really a mortgage banker needs a credit facility for it. And so, you know, good old MBA and, and uh, California MBA supporting it from the perspective that we have in California, that we saw credit facilities open up. 
So that's that's another one. The the GSE 50 basis points um, adverse market fee. That's another one. So you have you have three very very powerful events that happened in 2020 that were not as damaging as they absolutely could have been because of advocacy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. A great message. Um, so before we go, though, I want to give you a chance to uh, uh, plug the uh, Mortgage Innovators Conference that you're co-chairing uh, coming up on May 4th through the 6th, or it's going to be 100% virtual. And uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to Margaret here to, uh, if you're interested in the conference, Margaret's going to tell you why. Absolutely. Well, I think, first of all, you know, my main message is that if you want to survive and if you want to thrive going forward, you need to be efficient. And efficiency comes through technology. And what better spot than a conference that really showcases all of the technology that um, supports our business and ways where you can achieve efficiency. It's all in one place. So if you are a, a technology uh, vendor, I highly encourage you to participate. If you are a mortgage banker, I highly encourage you to participate and learn. I mean, this is, this is probably what is one of the most powerful things about the Mortgage Innovators Conference is what you'll learn. Uh, you know, if whether you're a retail originator, whether you're a wholesale originator, whether it's a combination of both, that these are ways that you can actually uh, take advantage of some of the stuff that Dustin and I have been talking about. So I hope we'll see all of you at the conference. And if, of course, if you have any questions, please um, reach out to me. I'm happy to help in any way. Absolutely. Great message. Well, and so if you are interested, sponsorships are available right now. At uh, mortgageinnovators.com, you can find out uh, if your company is interested in sponsoring, what your options would be. And it's always, as always, we tell people it's good to get in early with a sponsorship and get your money's worth and, and get your uh, um, get your company's name and logo and information in the marketing early on and get the most bang for your buck. So, Margaret, thanks again for the conversation. Great to talk to you. Great My to pleasure. see you virtually for right now. And, yes. Yeah, uh, in person in the future soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Dustin. All right. And if you enjoyed the conversation, make sure and uh, you can subscribe to our, uh, our uh, YouTube channel here and catch each episode of uh, Connect. We do it. We release an episode each Monday morning at around nine o'clock or so. You can also follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And with that, we'll see you next week for another episode of Connect.